The Start. On Demand. On Demand. On this Valentine's Day, we actually had some good news to share to start the week. We hear from a Transcona teacher who speaks of a random act of kindness that helped her bring more books to her class. Also, you're not going to believe the love story that enabled Bob to win our Celebrate Love contest with Namath Diamonds. Of course, we have some serious things to discuss as well. We heard from a mom who has two youngsters battling COVID, and she has some reservations about the lifting of restrictions. We also head to Ottawa to find out the latest on what is happening with the protest there. Of course, we discussed the Super Bowl, the halftime show. We also had a big concert announcement today. And since it's Valentine's Day, we had some fun talking about your favorite cheesy romance films. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Monday, February 14th, Valentine's Day podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us on a Monday morning. Greg Mackling is back after a day off on Friday. Greg, you said you needed a day off, you needed a break. So the question is, did you take a break or did you doom scroll on Twitter all day long? <laughs> I did not necessarily take a break, but I did not necessarily doom scroll on Twitter all day long. It felt like most of the day. There were, of course, lots of heavy, lots of big news stories on Friday, big announcement here in Manitoba about public health orders. So it was sort of impossible to ignore. But I do feel refreshed after an extra day of, of not having to get up at, at 3.15. Very good. Very good. What time did you get up? I got up at uh, 7.30 on Friday oh, morning. that's not sleeping in. Of course, for us it is. Absolutely I know, it is. I know. So uh, I stayed in bed. I stayed in bed on Saturday morning until... 10.45. So how about uh, that? That's good. I like to hear that. It's hard to get some sleep and it's hard to turn away from the news right now with everything going on, right? Like Friday was such a busy day and you were texting us all through that news conference with Heather Stephenson and the Premier and Dr. Brent Rusin with the changes to the public health orders coming tomorrow. And I think a lot of people going, wow, that's coming in fast and furious. I think we thought there would be a roadmap set out. I don't know if everyone thought it would happen so quickly, but we got changes started tomorrow and then vaccine mandates lifted in March and then no masks not long after that. And I guess here we go, Brett. Yeah, that was uh, definitely caught off guard because we were, you know, we had we had various listeners weighing in, sort of asking us what we thought and trying to speculate. And I figured, no, that, that it would just be the roadmap, no immediate changes. So that caught uh, everyone off guard. But I, and I know a lot of people are reluctant about the changes. A lot of people are happy. Uh, I know that uh, even in restaurants, there there's a mixed bag of emotions there, right? They're, of course, happy that the capacity restrictions are gone and the, the liquor sales restrictions are gone. But at the same time, there are some who are scared that people just won't want to go out to eat. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it seemed hasty to me, but at the same time, it, it I'm trying to be optimistic about it, right? Because this is what we all want. We want a way out of this nonsense. So um, I, I guess we'll just fingers crossed that it goes okay, uh, GMAC. But in spite of the, the news 
that was difficult to turn away from. Lots of stuff to enjoy over the weekend, Greg, like the Super Bowl. Oh, I thought you were going to press play on uh, our clip. Yes, Brett, the Super Bowl. The one, the, uh, the halftime show, I think, for so many people was the highlight of the game. I've never had more people ask me, what time do you think the halftime is going to start? I, I don't know. I, around set, Go with uh, around 7 o'clock. I think it ended up being just before 7 that the halftime took the stage. And it was um, a walk down memory lane at the very least. Well, then, yeah, indeed. For those who didn't see it, it combined some hip-hop nostalgia with Southern California swagger. It opened with Dr. Dre at a recording studio set up on the field, him and Snoop Dogg trading verses on a set that represented the streets of South L.A. It's the one and only D.R.E. Signed for local fast food joint, Tam's Burgers, prominently displayed. Mary J. Blige and Eminem dishing out slices of nostalgia. Chart topper Kendrick Lamar performing one of his biggest hits and a few surprise guests. 50 Cent appeared hanging upside down from a ceiling. Anderson Pack, part of the live band. Many also noticed Eminem taking a knee a la Colin Kaepernick, which the NFL reportedly asked him not to do. Jason Athenson, ABC News, Los Angeles. Loren, what'd you think? I loved it. Like, I loved it. I felt like I was back in the club and I felt like I was living, you know, reliving a lot of things. I thought they looked great. They sounded great. It wasn't like one of those shows where you were blown away. It certainly wasn't Prince where you felt like that sort of united thing. But I think people were united in smiling and being happy and just really, you know, taking that walk down memory lane. For sure, there's a group that might not have known who some of those artists were, or at least not known the songs. But I also, at the end of it, thought, man, like I was looking up all their ages by the time it was done. Thinking, man, like Snoop's 51 and Mary J. Blige is almost 50 and they were all like in that late 40, 50s range and I thought, if you can like still have that passion and love what you do at any point in life, man, I'm all for that. I, I enjoyed it from start to finish. I Yeah, I mean, we're the same age and it was pretty, I felt exactly the same thing. I felt like I was back in a nightclub dancing with my friends, listening to all that. The only artist I'm not super familiar with in that bunch is Kendrick Lamar, although I, I, I found his performance in particular, Greg, to be probably the most dynamic of the bunch. Uh, the dancing that he had going on around him, I thought he had superb energy. So, uh, yeah, I, I was, it, was a, it was a good show, put a smile on my face. Uh, what did you think of the game? Oh, the game was 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 quite good. It was, you know, came down to the last drive. The Rams managing uh, to pull really the championship from the fire because the Bengals did everything that they needed to do for the most part to to gain the lead and to keep the lead for most of the game. I think most people were surprised at at as to how the Bengals uh, managed to to get ahead of the Rams, but really in a year of some of the best playoff games we've ever seen in the National Football League for it to come down to the last drive the way it did uh, was incredibly fitting. In our house, getting back to the halftime show briefly before we move on, you know, Kendrick Lamar, you you pointed him out and mentioned him. I'm not familiar with his music at all. And so we go from me kind of enjoying Eminem and, and Snoop and Dre, and then over in the corner I can hear one of the boys word for word with Kendrick Lamar. And I looked over, I like, I had no idea you even knew who he was. Know all his songs, dad. Knew every word, <laughs> every break, every cadence. I was quite impressed. So, you know, um, say what you want about the, the divide that uh, exists in our world right now. That was a nice bridge that we had in our house last night between generations sure. as we enjoyed the halftime show last night. 
to talk about how it's typically a quiet border town. Emerson, community of roughly 700 people that has been at the forefront of an ongoing blockade protesting health mandates. Global's Abigail Turner has more in this report. Typically a quiet border town, Emerson, a community of roughly 700 people has been at the forefront of ongoing blockades involving Canadian truckers protesting health mandates. It's kind of sad that the, the regular public is being held hostage. Global News agreed not to show local Wayne Arsney's face out of fear of retaliation as he travels through the Emerson blockade daily for work. There's a lot of people that have to go through that particular intersection or are just being impeded and... Again, you don't know if it's going to be a 15-minute wait or an hour wait. People rely on crossing the border for tasks as simple as getting the mail or going to work, he says. A lot of people now are trying to avoid the roadblocks, so they're going back down rural roads to try and get around. Well, this is wintertime. Not all rural roads in, in our area are plowed. So there's people getting stuck. Residents were able to get through on the shoulder of roads previously, but protesters have since blocked that off as well. The real issue here is how long it's going to last. On a daily basis alone, $120 million in merchandise trade comes from the U.S., says Atif Kabursi, who studies economics at McMaster University. We're not talking about some peripheral impact. We're talking about some substantial impact. Food products and machinery are the main items crossing at the Emerson border, he says. And while he doesn't expect prices to rise because of the blockades, he says bare shelves can be expected if the protesters continue to block borders. Many sectors depend very much on the smooth flow of goods and services across this border. Not only are business sectors dependent on that smooth flow, but residents of Emerson are keeping a close eye as well, with no end in sight. Abigail Turner, Global News. So the blockade at the Emerson border continues as we speak. I saw a sign as I was coming down 75 last night, just heading south, warning people that, yes, there's that blockade there. It will affect your travel and your time. It's affecting businesses. We know whether they're importing or exporting. And there are some businesses whose operations are integrated and the border is typically a pit stop from one plant to another. So they're being impacted. Protests in Ottawa certainly didn't dial anything back over the weekend. Very early yesterday morning, police moved in to clear protesters blocking access to the ambassador. Ambassador Bridge in Windsor. That bridge was open late last night. Uh, you know, in our next hour, we're going to speak to a mom who ta- wants to talk about the change to the mandates here in Manitoba and the impact for the fact that there's still a whole group of people who don't qualify for the vaccine. At 7.50, we're going to check in with Ottawa to hear what is going on there. But bottom line, I think it's safe to say, Greg, all of our patients is being tested and nerves are frayed for many Manitobans and Canadians. Absolutely. And on Saturday, we saw counter protests at the Manitoba legislature. Brett captured some video of what was going on there. Just a moment in time, a snapshot of what happened Saturday down at the legislature. And Friday morning, as you mentioned, the Manitoba government and public health officials announced changes to the health orders. Some of those changes come into effect at midnight. And on Friday, I felt like so much of this was a complete disaster. And that was before the the lifting and the change in the public health orders. You know, so many people obviously are angry, angry enough to do what they've done in terms of blocking roads, blocking trade routes, to be in Ottawa for as long as they have. And and you guys, I'm calling a little bit of an audible here. I was going to go on a little bit of a rant about how upset and disappointed I am that we are at this point and some of the hypocrisy that's going on right here. But I'm, 
I'm in a different place here on Monday morning than I was Friday. I'm trying to wrap my head around the division, the diametric opposite views on where we're going and how we got here. As I mentioned Friday, the premier of our province decided to make a bold announcement along with Dr. Rusin. A new path to the approach towards living with COVID-19 was conveyed. If their vision of what they see as the next few months is accurate, I would be very comfortable in saying there aren't too many of us who won't be thrilled. I put my trust in the government and public health to make the right decisions nearly 24 months ago. Now, I did that not without question, not without evidence, not without explanation of that evidence. And at the same time, just as they used and presented data and projections to justify bringing in the various restrictions and health orders over the last several months, I trusted they would employ the same standard and use the same matrices to help us understand why we are moving away from those health orders and restrictions. I confess I don't make all my decisions in life based on the data available. Uh, if I said anything different, I would be fibbing to you and I would be fibbing to myself. We all make huge decisions in our lives based on different reasons, different factors. And there are many different ways to do different things. How many different ways are there to purchase a car? How many different makes and models to choose from do I lease? Do I purchase? New or used? Extended warranty? No extended warranty? Do I use a bank? Do I use a credit union? Do I use dealer financing? Some of us will analyze the ins and outs. Some of us will not. And so for me, as we start this week, I'm trying to be open-minded to the fact that there are those who will invest in cryptocurrency and those who will put their money in a mattress and all sorts of philosophies in between. In my business decisions, I have partners who have different strengths. One is cautious and meticulous, the voice of reason, I call them. The other is a master of the Excel spreadsheet. They both do a terrific job of managing my big picture view of what we do. However, at the end of the day, the numbers have to work in order for us to move forward on a major decision. And on Friday, I have to say, I wanted to see the spreadsheet. I wanted to see the business plan laid out with projections and passion for the why and the how. I like the, well, actually, let me say I love what they are selling us. The risk-reward profile isn't quite there for me. It may be for you. That doesn't mean I don't hope that they can deliver on their vision. It is Valentine's Day, and for some, maybe some of the single folk in the crowd, that might make you think this. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 <laughs> Any reason to play that clip <laughs> works for it's me. It's got nothing to do with love. I think it's when Toby comes back or yeah. something like that. Yeah. He's so mad when HR guy Toby is back in the picture. Please, God, no! Yeah, Val oh. Valentine's Day, no! But... <laughs> Since it is Valentine's Day, let's talk about cheesy rom-coms. Do you have a favorite cheesy romantic film, perhaps a particular line of dialogue that is both groan-worthy but still melts your heart? 204-780-6868. Join this conversation for a chance to win concert tickets. We're going to announce the show just after 9 o'clock. It's a big one. Jeff Braun, co-host of The Couch Potatoes. Let's start with you, sir. 
Yeah, I brought. Uh, it's the best scene from You've Got Mail, and I'm getting a little bit of setup here uh, for those who've not seen You've Got Mail, starring Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Hanks owns this chain of bookstores, and he's just put Meg Ryan's little bookstore out of business, so he has destroyed her financially. Plus, he's manipulating her emotionally by catfishing her on the internet, and he's just generally being kind of stocky. And here in this scene, he's learned that she's homesick and decides, hey, this is a great time to just show up at her home and start hitting on her. Hey, you put me out of business. Uh, yes, I did. Did you come to gloat? No. To offer me a job? I would never... Because I have plans. I have plenty of offers. You know, I got offered a job by... By my former... Well, yeah, uh... actually by... Oh, your former? We broke up. Oh, well, that's too bad. You were so perfect for each other. Oh, I don't mean to say things like that. No matter what you've done to me, there's no excuse for my saying anything like that. But every time I see you... Things like that just fly out of your mouth. Yes! I brought you flowers. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a, the movie shouldn't even work. This scene really shouldn't work, but somehow it does. It's like I said, it's my favorite scene in the whole movie. Love you've got mail. You've got mail. It's been so long since I've watched that one. Cameron Poitras, let's go with you next. Well, roll the clip there, Fortier. And what am I? Faithfulness. He talked of, madam, your enduring faithfulness. Now tell me truly, when you found out he was gone, did you get engaged to your prince that same hour, or did you wait a whole week out of respect for the dead? You mocked me once. Never do it again. <laughs> I died that day. You can die too, for all I care. Oh. As you wish. Yeah. Uh, Princess Bride, uh, my dad's favorite movie. It's definitely in my top five as well. I mean, that, I mean, as you wish, I chose that one because it's the most uh, romantic and nice line for the whole movie. But like, the movie's chock full of. Like so many quotes. Anybody want a peanut or inconceivable or Aristotle, Socrates, morons? Like there's a million of them. I have prepared to die. I bet my life on it. Oh. Yeah, my name is Anigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepared to die. There's a million of them. I could do the whole movie, but uh, no, it's a it's just a fantastic movie. I, I I consider it a romantic comedy. I put it in the romantic comedy list and one of my favorite movies. One well, of my family's favorite movies. Well, I mean, it's it, it's a love story, right? It's full of yeah. adventure and whimsy and all kinds of great things. But at its core, it's a it's a love story, and uh, they do such a nice job at encapsulating that, at showing how even the the boy Fred Savage at the end he wants to to hear the full story. He doesn't want his grandpa to skip over the kissing stuff so uh yeah that's a great one well done uh loren you've got a couple here which oh, i couldn't decide i was like going down so many different holes <laughs> about uh, of romantic comedies i love a rom-com and i don't care if it's bad like i said to you on friday with that new j-lo movie coming out with owen wilson just looks oh, terrible but amazing i can't wait like <laughs> i just so i want to get all in on the badness of that like i want it and i need it and i like it so I will sit down and watch any movie over and over again on TV with commercials, even though you know the outcome, even though you know the, the moment. And so I'm going to go with the one I have in there, Brett, called Loren's Other Pick. Okay. And there's zero dialogue here. It's just the moment when Molly Ringwald comes out of the church <laughs> and the bus is in front of the church and she just she's in love with this boy in high school and the bus pulls away. Yes. And who is there? Oh, God, he's so hot. Uh, Michael Schofield is his real name. I don't even know what his name is in the movie. And she points to herself and says, like, you're here for me? Yeah, you. Ah, uh, melt my heart. Yes, 80s cheese all the way, man. I love this movie. 16 Candles. 16 Candles. I have to confess, Loren, I've never seen no, this film. Oh, Brett! 
Me neither. Oh, boy. Oh, you guys. Neither of the couch potatoes has seen 16 candles. Oh, my gosh. Hmm. <laughs> it's like, this have can't seen, even be have true. Have you seen Commando, Lorena? Yeah. I think it came out the same year. <laughs> I think I've seen Commando. I'm sure I have. Commando. <laughs> I love Commando. Um, <laughs> that was great, Lorena. Uh, Forte, you got one? I do have one. Mike O'Donnell is at an age when life seems to have passed him by. Bet you wish you had it to do all over again. You got that right. But in one. Anyways, it's uh, 17 again with Zac Efron. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's fun. It's such a fun movie. You don't, you know, just relax, enjoy a good rom-com. It's, uh, you know, his kids hate him. He uh, turns 17 again. He's getting divorced from his wife. And so when he's 17, he has to, you know, kind of redo his life and try to make everything good and try to uh, win his wife back. So it's just, it's a fun movie. <laughs> 204. <laughs> Go ahead, Loren. I was going to say, I'm just laughing here. I picked the 16 candles from, like, who knows what year. And, of course, Fortier, because we're almost, I think, 20 years apart. I don't know how much older I am than you. Zach Efron. Just a, <laughs> just a d- fabulous display, display of generational differences there. <laughs> Right now, we want to talk about how with everything that's going on, we really do love it when we get a chance to shine a spotlight on all the good that's still going on in our community. Yeah, I mean, in an hour ago, we talked about what's going on in Ukraine, and we've talked about the changes to the public health orders, all the protests, and, you know, there's the lifting of vaccine mandates coming next month, mask mandates lifting coming next month. Some might be cheering, some might be expressing cautious optimism, some have outright concern over what's going on, and of course, in the midst of all this, we're just trying to live our lives, which is why a tweet from McNally Robinson, the bookstore, over the weekend had me smiling. It started like this. A teacher was buying books for her classroom, but had gone over the amount allocated by the school. And so she decided to pay for the rest on her own. She ended up having to set some books aside. And that's when another customer stepped in to ask if they were for her classroom. The teacher said yes. And the customer said, they're on me. And then pulled out a not insignificant amount of cash. As the folks at McNally tweeted, it was very moving in this fraught time. It's wonderful to see folks being kind to each other in times of need. Not long after McNally tweeted the story, our next guest replied to say, hey, I was that teacher. Hours later, I still get choked up over this act of kindness, and I suspect some of you will be getting choked up as we speak to our next guest. We're pleased to bring on Stephanie Rempel, grade three teacher at Harold Hatcher in River East Transcona School Division. Good morning, Stephanie. Good morning. How are things with you? And thank you for agreeing to come and share with us your experience over the weekend. Tell us what was going on in the store and how often you go and buy books for the classroom. (laughs) Uh, Well, thanks for letting me share my story. Um, That's kind of why I put it out there, because like you said, we need the good stories these days. Um, So I typically go shopping at the the big shop (laughs) about once a year for my classroom. Um, We get a certain amount according to our school budget for books that we can buy for our students. Um, And as most teachers know, we almost always go over that amount because you see books that you just know one of your students would love to have. Um, And so I did go over um, and just thought, you know what, I'm going to, I can't put these books aside. I'm going to have disappointed students if they have something that's 
they don't see in the box of books that I bring. So uh, to me, that decision was already made. I'm going to do this. Um, so then I took the books downstairs. Uh, and by the way, if people haven't gone to McNally's on Grant, you got to go upstairs into the, the children's section. It's just such a fun space to be in, and the staff is phenomenal. Um, so as I'm getting her to scan these extra books, um, I was hoping for it to be around 150, 160. Um, and so I had her stop about halfway and I was already over that. So I thought, okay, like not today. I, I can't take all of them today. I'll maybe come back another time. Um, and then so she started putting them to the side. And before I know it, this beautiful person is right beside me asking if I'm a teacher if these are for my students, I said yes to both and then promptly puts the money down. Um, and just, I was completely speechless. <laughs> I I didn't think I was being pranked, but I just thought this, this can't be real life. <laughs> like people don't do these things. Um, and then she just started walking away before I could really say anything. I'm kind of yelling after her, thank you very much. Uh, this is so kind. Um, and then I just kind of stood there stunned and I said, okay, I guess we'll, we'll use this towards those books that we put aside and I'm still quiet. And I just asked them if this has happened before. Um, and one of their first comments was, oh, we thought you knew this person. I said, I absolutely do not know who that was and why she chose to do that for me and my students. Um, so then we all were just kind of talking and just in awe and, um, yeah, I just had a real moment of disbelief and just the complete kindness of this person um, kind of eroded that frustration and probably anger too that's been building up over the last weeks with what we've been seeing across the country. It just shattered that and just filled me with this joy and um, complete uh, excitement for my students that they could have these books. And I don't know the lady's story. I don't know how she's been doing through the pa pandemic, if this was even something that she could afford. But within seconds, I, she had decided and like she didn't even think about it a long time, just plunked it down and off she went. Um, clearly not really wanting any recognition or attention. So I thought, I have to get this message out here. Mm -hmm. People need to hear a positive story of, of the good that we know that's out there in our community, in our province, in our country. Stephanie, first, I, I agree. The uh, the kids section at McNally is yes. an amazing space. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, it's you know it's kind of weird for uh, you know big guy like me to go up there by myself. So I don't really get to see that space that often. But um, yeah. curious to know what is the allotment uh, or the you know the amount that teachers actually get to spend in the class. Uh, for books, it can vary from year to year, depending on what our budget is. And for us, it's fluctuated up and down over the years. Uh, some years we've had about a thousand, other years four hundred. This year was six hundred again. So um, I consider that a significant amount. Um, we do have to constantly update our classroom libraries. We just lose books, or they're well loved and they get beyond repair. Um, and then with the pandemic, we've had students taking more books home because um, that's super important. So, and then also their interests change from year to year. So the library I have now isn't even the library I had three or four years ago. Sure. 
So you mentioned you go over it every year. When this customer plopped down the cash, are we talking, you know, 50 bucks, 60 bucks? Like it's, a, it's it, not insignificant amount. Like a, an average book can be 15 to $30 depending on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so she put $80 down on the counter and I didn't see it all because it was in a little stack. So I thought uh, it was 20. I thought, wow, that's awesome. That pays for two books here. Mm-hmm. And then you just kind of slid the money. It's like, oh my goodness, it's actually $80. And that's that's a significant amount. It really and truly is. So I'm just so appreciative of her her generosity. Well, Stephanie Rempel, grade three teacher at Harold Hatcher in Transcona. Yeah, Transcona. Yeah, yeah. Um, Transcona. <laughs> Stephanie, thank you for bringing this to our attention. Uh, it really is nice to have a positive story to get going on a Monday morning. Absolutely, and thank you. It is time to declare our winner for Celebrate Love. We've got a $500 gift certificate for Name of Diamonds. Now, for the last few weeks, people have been going to cjob.com to tell us who their special Valentine is. And, Greg, we have our winner. Oh, boy. I've read this ahead of time. i got to try and keep myself, <laughs> keep it all together here. This is a wonderful note. Um, here's, here's what the winner, winner said. My Valentine this year is Lori. This is our first Valentine's Day together. I first asked Lori out when I was 16 years old. She had the most beautiful eyes and a smile that would make your knees weak. Unfortunately, she turned me down, explaining that she wasn't allowed to date. So 52 years later, I recognized those same eyes above her mask at Superstore. I said, hi, Lori and told her who I was. We have been dating now for nine amazing months. Her smile still makes my knees weak. So let's see if our winner is listening. Bob, are you there? I am here. Oh, Bob, what an amazing story. Well, first of all, congratulations. But I need to hear more about this lovely lady in a store. You recognize her eyes over the mask? I, I recognized her in Superstore, which we now call our Superstory. Kind of tacky, but you know. Oh, no, I love it, Bob. Oh, that is the best. So, did you say hello right away? Like, tell us what happens next. Well, I followed. I kind of, kind of kept meeting her through the store because I had this feeling. And finally, you know, in the yogurt department, it was my last chance, and uh, and took the opportunity. And she thought it was just another line by someone. She and uh, but it turned out, it turned out amazing. Wait, and she's an the, amazing. What was the line? Uh, what the, the line was, I recognize your eyes, and uh, and she kind of ruled her eyes. So <laughs> <laughs> when you introduced yourself, Bob, did she remember you immediately? She did. She did immediately. Ooh, that's a good sign. I know, right? I know. No, it was wonderful, and she's amazing. She uh, she runs the MCC store on Keywayton. She's just an amo- amazing, amazing person. If that's I'm not very lucky. a love story that oh you recognized gosh. her fifty two years later above the mask, that's Bob. This is incredible. Uh, you've put a yeah. big smile on our faces. Congratulations on the win. Congratulations on finding Lori over fifty years later. Uh, this is just wonderful. 
Great. Thank you so much. That's wonderful. Stand by, Bob. We'll just confirm some details with you off the, off the air. But wow, Loren, super 50 story. years later. The super <laughs> story. That just made my day. I love, I mean, honestly, yes, Valentine's Day is not for everyone, but who doesn't get their heart full with a story like that? We need to bring Bob back on for regular updates, I think, on this. <laughs> See how he likes that. Super Stories Chronicles with exactly. Bob and Lori. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, right on, Bob. Enjoy that $500 gift card for Namath Diamonds. And thanks to all who entered at CJOB.com. All right, now we want to talk about how on Sunday, a Winnipeg mom shared the fact that her household was dealing with COVID-19. Yeah, here's the tweet from our next guest, Brett. COVID found my household. You know who's sickest? My unvaxxed eight-month-old and second sickest? is my unvaxxed two-year-old. If you think we should just loosen restrictions without having proper testing, these are the consequences. Now, I can't work for 10 days. And Loren, despite nearly 6,000 likes and over 1,100 retweets, I'm not sure our guest was prepared for some of the over 350 comments. So we welcome this morning to the start, Allie Beauchene. Good morning, Allie. I, I need to ask first how your kids are doing and how you're dealing with COVID. Is, how's everyone feeling this morning? Hi. Um, yeah, we're okay. My two-year-old is still as feisty as ever. <laughs> I wish she would be a bit more chill. Um, the baby's pretty sick, but she. I think we're on the on the rebound. So, yeah, thanks for asking. Well, it's always scary, you know, Mike, when kids get a fever or they get something because they can't articulate as well, right, how they're feeling. So yeah, exactly. at, any, at any moment, any illness at a young age can be concerning. Uh, you, you decided to share this on Twitter. I just wanted to ask, what were you trying to convey there? What were, what were you hoping people would just hear in your message? Yeah, I think like part of the point was missed, like in my follow up tweet where I just, you know, po- pointed out that the government and like the province is hoping to kind of, I don't want to use the word restart, but get the economy back up and going. And they're forgetting about, I don't want to just say moms, because I know there's lots of dads that this affects too. Like my husband's home from work today um, to help take care of us. But, you know, it's forgetting about parents. And my daughter's only been to daycare for six days since December 17th. <laughs> and it's hard. It's I, like I'm self-employed, so I'm not on mat leave. And, you know, it's hard having her at home all day when I'm trying, you know, to work. And lots of parents are in the same boat. Like, I'm not the only one. So I think that that was my biggest point is, you know, I had a lot of, lot of, I want to say, like, backlash. I actually had to protect my tweets last night, yesterday, just for my mental health. But, uh, lot, you know, lots of people saying, oh, well, wouldn't you stay home with your kids? Like, of course I would stay home with my kids. But I think that this is just the final the final straw of multiple isolation because we're close contacts. And then now um, at, you know, at daycares, you don't even have to tell people if you've tested positive. So half the kids are sick, but the daycare is says that they haven't had any COVID cases, but that's the only place we could have gotten COVID from. So I'm frustrated. I uh, I know that anytime I, what feel compelled to share anything related to the pandemic on Twitter, Ali. Uh, I have to try to be very careful with how I word it. And, and I could be as careful as possible and as right down the middle, zero editorial, and will still be attacked on Twitter. So, yeah, Twitter can be a very unfriendly place. <laughs> you say you had to well, protect you know, your I... tweets. So, like, how bad did it get? 
It, well, it wasn't that. I mean, it was after I, it was really winding down, but I think it was more just the fact that then I wanted to start um, kind of asking for, um, you know, I, I put something out last night, just asking everyone for their best like remedies for COVID because I was feeling kind of pretty crappy and I'm breastfeeding, so I can't take, you know, any medicine. And uh, I just didn't want to hear it from all of the, there's lots of, I think it's a lot of bots too. Like, I mean, I'm not a Twitter expert, so I don't know, but a lot of people were telling me, they're like, just block a bunch of these people. So, um, but I think the point that you mentioned in the like opening is that there's, 50 over 5,800 people like the tweet. And I think that that just like, I mean, I maybe got 50 negative comments. So I think that that just really outlines how parents are feeling and we're, you know, we feel left behind. Yeah, you know, and of course, these things are not scientific by any stretch of the imagination. And the, and all the different statistics that come in association with a tweet are 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 just that that they are social media centric but how are we going to get past all this you know some of the vitriol uh before you well you know i was able to see the responses to your tweets how do you think we're going to get past all this and how do you think we're going to we're going to bridge some of these uh gaps that have been created and these divides alley over the over the coming months i honestly i wish i mean i'm sure you do too <laughs> that i had the answer for that because it's hard. I think, you know, it's happened even with our own, within my own family. And so it's, you know, you want to, you, I think that the best way is to get back to normal as much as we can. But I think that, that in order to get back to normal, we still need to make sure that we're watching out for the kids. And, and yeah, I just, I think that um, if we could get back to normal as much as possible, it maybe keep some of the things that kept like, the daycare's going. I mean, it's been two years. My daughter's been in daycare, and this is the first time that she's ever missed so much daycare. The first time the daycare had to close because of um, there was a COVID outbreak, too, like a month ago. And so I just think that that's, you know, we've got to kind of manage that and then try to get back to normal as best as we can. What would you like to keep around then, Allie, like with some of the changes that are coming into place tomorrow? Um, you know, for example, they're, they're changing the way... Um, you, if you're traveling out of province, you no longer have to isolate. If you come back, you know, like sports is changing. Young people ages 12 to 17 no longer have to provide proof of vaccination or recent testing if it's coming to sports facilities. Like, what would you like to keep around for the younger people? Or are you thinking more about the idea that your kids still don't qualify for a vaccine? Like, what, what's the ask here for you if you if you could make one? Well, I think that if they... I'm sorry. <laughs> I think that if, you know, they... Um, kept in like I I just I don't know I'm not an epidemiologist but it seems to me that like you know contact tracing and testing you know worked and if my daughter tests positive which she did then I would normally call the daycare and they would let everyone know that was in our cohort but now they don't even need to do that and so our daycare our board's been really proactive but um I you know they they still don't need to do that and I wish that that was still in place I'm so sorry. There's a lot going on here right now. You got a two-year-old, a baby, and a dog. We get and it. A dog, yes. Don't. It's yeah. uh, this is life in this pandemic, eh, Brett? 
Yeah. Well, listen, we uh, we appreciate this. Before we let you go, Allie, and you have nothing to apologize for on uh, the the background noise. I always just, I kind of like the background noise. It adds some ambiance to what you're dealing yeah, with. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> but uh, with, when it comes to social media, you know, it, it can be really hard to sort of live or try to to work in that space. So moving forward. Um, do you think you'll wade back into a conversation like this? Um, yeah, I think that the biggest thing, and, you know, I t- a lot of my friends who talked about this is about how they're, even though we're hoping that the stigma around getting COVID and this kind of stuff, it was gone. And even just like you said, like about, you know, the division being vaxxed, unvaxxed, all of that, I think we do need to have those conversations kind of on a smaller level. And so, um, I'll unprotect my tweets. They have done a lot of great things with a lot of great people on Twitter, but uh, I just needed to people to stop commenting on that one post for a little bit. So, you know, and, and I think there's a difference between having respectful um, discussions, even if people don't agree with a lot of things, but that's just uh, so those you know those tweets i engaged with and i didn't block those people but it was mostly just the people there was a lot of name calling and things like that so yeah i'll get back there ali boshane thank you very much for joining us and uh we hope that uh, uh you guys all get better in prompt fashion yeah, thanks. okay thanks so much have a great day That is a crowd of counter-protesters chanting go home on Saturday to the group that's been outside the legislative building for well over a week now. And we're playing it because we're curious if your opinions about the protests have changed. Were you initially supportive but are now annoyed? Were you annoyed at the beginning but now supportive? Or maybe your feelings haven't changed at all. Yeah, new numbers out from Angus Reid this morning show some 44% of Canadians say the protests have actually made them more inclined to support ongoing restrictions like vaccine mandates or travel mandates, while some 72% say the time has come for protesters to go home. Yep, and the question of the week is, will they? From Winnipeg to Emerson to Ottawa, protests continue in many Canadian communities. David Aiken is Global's chief political correspondent and joins us from Ottawa this morning. Good morning, David. Where do things stand there this morning? And have you got any insight as to what we're seeing at the Alberta border, at the Manitoba border? Well, well, the latest data from the Canada Border Services Agency says commercial traffic is moving across all border crossings without delay except for Emerson, where commercial traffic is still closed. Though you can still get by if you're just in a regular car. That's according to the, the CBSA. Commercial traffic is still closed down at Emerson, and commercial traffic is blockaded at Coots, Alberta. So two border crossings remain under blockade by protesters. But the big news really is the Ambassador Bridge in Windsor, over which literally hundreds of millions of dollars of goods travels every week. It's open for business. There's some, some traffic rerouting to get to the bridge, but trucks are getting back and forth. And then also in Surrey, B.C., where uh, there was another blockade at the Pacific Highway, um, there was some police action on the weekend there, some arrests, and uh, people, uh, commercial traffic moving well there. So that's good uh, in the sense Ambassador and Surrey are open. Still problems at Emerson, problems at Coots. 
And here in Ottawa, I'm 14 floors up in our parliamentary bureau and uh, bitterly chilly morning. Not as cold as it sounds like you guys are getting, but minus 24 here and, and there's a nasty wind. Um, so not a lot of people on the street, but still a lot of vehicles, still an occupation here, still a lot of frustration from um, from residents who were doing just what you played in that intro. You know, leave now. There was thousands out on the weekend trying to convince these protesters to go home. So what do we make of the the sort of increasing counter protests that we're seeing uh, across the country? Well, it, it's here in Ottawa. It's really uh, that it's it was born out of frustration that the Ottawa police services were not doing what Windsor police did or what RCMP did out in Surrey, which is arrest protesters and remove the blockade. They're, the Ottawa police just really haven't taken that step. And so the protesters, led by municipal politicians here on the weekend um, and others, uh, said, uh, you know, it's time to go. Now, one of the controversial sort of actions on the weekend from the mayor of Ottawa, Jim Watson, he apparently negotiated himself a deal with one of the protest organizers to withdraw some of the vehicles from residential neighborhoods near Ottawa. And the, the Ottawa protest is different than the blockades, where you're only really stopping one street on the way to a border. Here, the blockade exists over several city blocks, including many where there are a lot of people who, you know, they, they live downtown. So uh, Watson apparently securing, agree- securing an agreement to have the blockade, sort of the, the footprint change, so it's not in residential areas. Many say you shouldn't be negotiating, Mayor Watson. You should be arresting and removing. That's what you have a police force for. So we'll see where that goes today, and, and that will be a test as well of, uh, I, I guess, what you call the command and control of the occupation here. Does this organizer, Tamara Leach, uh, will they listen to her? If, they, if she says, right, we got to move off this street, that street, uh, we're, we're going to find out later today. So what are we looking for today beyond just that conversation about where those trucks move, David? What about our politicians? What about the prime minister? Where will he be at today? Yeah, so that's uh, that's another busy day in Ottawa on that front. So last night, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau and his cabinet met to talk about these blockades and next steps. We're told they're studying uh, how, when, why they might impose the uh, or, or invoke the Federal Emergencies Act. Remember, we've got through an entire pandemic. We've never had to impose the Federal Emergencies Act. Today, there's going to be a meeting with the prime minister and all the premiers. Premier Stephens will be on the call um, to talk about that. Um, if the Federal Emergencies Act does get invoked, it's usually done at the invitation of a province or with the support of provinces. So presumably Trudeau will be taking the temperature of premiers on on that. Then the, the National Liberal Caucus will have a meeting. That's rare. They normally only meet on Wednesdays. Uh, they don't normally meet Mondays. So that's happening. And then here's something to keep an eye on, too, later on in the House of Commons. There's going to be a vote on a conservative motion that would call on the federal government to publish a roadmap explaining to Canadians when and how vaccine mandates will lift, federal vaccine mandates will lift, and to publish that roadmap by the end of the month. So that, it seems to me, sort of a reasonable thing, saying you got a couple of weeks, and at the end of the couple of weeks, you don't have to end the mandates, but we just want to know how they'll end, when will they end, you know, what sort of uh, markers. We're also looking at this week, too, for the government... Um, it hinted last week or telegraphed last week, it is going to change some of the travel restrictions for international travelers. We don't know but the, 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 the exactly what they'll be, but probably something around the testing mandates, um, removing testing requirements for fully vaccinated travelers. So those are some things that will change. And presumably, if there is some signed vaccine mandates federally are going to lift at some point in the time, maybe that gives some of these protesters enough reason to say, right, it's uh, too darn chilly to be out here. Uh, I'm going home. David Aiken is Global's chief political correspondent, joining us live from Ottawa. David, thank you, as always, sir. No problem, guys. Cheers.
normally at this time, we have our weekly check-in with Bob Irving. Um, apparently, he emailed us all yesterday saying he can't make it, but I didn't get that email. Greg didn't get that email. Loren didn't get that email. So we'll have to check, we'll have to check in with Bob on what's going on with his email address because I know that uh, he recently switched his meal, email address since he's officially retired and is no longer an employee of this company. Uh, so he doesn't have a company email anymore. But we can still have a quick chat about sports because the Super Bowl, of course, was yesterday. We wanted to touch on the chaos that was happening at uh, the golf event in Phoenix. But before that, uh, GMAC, you wanted to talk some some North American Ice Hockey League. Well, I think a lot of Jets fans uh, prior to maybe even Saturday night's game against Nashville were prepared to start folding the towel or maybe just pick it up and throw it in all together, you know, despite the tremendous effort the Jets had Tuesday night against Minnesota and their 2-0 win against the Wild. Uh, The overtime loss to Dallas Friday night was a little disheartening. Uh, The Jets had every reason to believe they, they could have, should have won that game. Uh, and then going into Nashville, the Jets got blitzed last time into Nashville. And I'm not talking about what they might have done off ice uh, before or after the game. I think it was 7-1 or something ridiculous. They got absolutely clobbered by Nashville. 5-2. It was 7-1 that they'd lost to uh, Colorado the week before. But the Jets go into Nashville Saturday night. They fall behind 2 nothing, And then they find the will to dig deep. They find the character. They find... A 5-2 victory. Blake Wheeler, five points Saturday night. And everywhere I went yesterday, everyone I spoke to yesterday at curling and on the text messages, Friday, uh, Saturday night, Sunday morning, Loren was kind of like, boy, oh boy, all of a sudden they've got five out of six points this past week against the Central. And now they're coming home for four straight games against, you know, three teams that are struggling, Chicago, Seattle, and Edmonton. And then a rematch with Minnesota coming up Wednesday night, the team they beat at home in a shutout fashion uh, last Tuesday. So uh, some, some renewed hope, maybe some renewed interest with regard to the fortunes of the Winnipeg Jets. And it was, it was quite palatable yesterday. I will say watching the Dallas game, that's the most interested I've been in a game in a long time because usually I just turn it on and don't get that feel, you know, that feel like that your team is actually doing something that you like to watch and that they're doing all the right things. So, uh, yes, we lost it in the end, but I thought that was a pretty decent game. Uh, the game I did not watch at all in any capacity was the Super Bowl with the exception of the halftime. I even turned it on and jokingly i was like is this the dodge rams like who are the i don't know who these teams are i mean i know who they are but that's the level of interest i had in the actual game was that i do not care who's playing this game and then i put a timer on the microwave so it would beep when i knew we were getting close to the halftime because i was flipping around but i you know i know there are a lot of people who watch that for the football i'm not one of them brett did you watch it for the halftime or the or both i watched for both because you know i've i'm not a huge NFL fan, uh, but I enjoy watching it, and I've tuned in for a number of the playoff games, and just have been, you know, I'll echo the sentiments that have been shared by so many, is that this playoff, or these playoffs have just been incredible, with some of the, the just outright insane finishes to these games. So I was hoping uh, we might see something similar. I would say yesterday's game was pretty good. I often find the Super Bowl ends up being the biggest dud 
of them all. But this was a pretty good game, and it went right down to the wire pretty much. So that was exciting. But I was also, I was, I think, mostly curious about this uh, halftime show because, uh, you know, we've had a number of listeners say this was a great stroll down memory lane, and that's exactly what it is. I'm a 44-year-old man. Those were all big songs in the 90s and the aughts, and then Kendrick Lamar came along a bit later in, uh, I think, that song that he did yesterday. The song is called All Right. I believe that came out in 2015. So that's kind of after I sort of stopped paying attention to new music, but I quite, I really enjoyed his. And as Greg pointed out earlier, his boys knew that song. Greg didn't know that song, but his boys knew it. So uh, that's so. I think overall it was exciting. I, some of the commercials we don't get all the commercials in Canada, but we saw. I saw. I got excited for a few of the movie commercials and TV show commercials. Like there was a, a the first. We got our first look at the new Lord of the Rings show that's coming to Prime. So there was quite a bit to be excited about in that broadcast, uh, Greg mm. Mackling. How about Snoop Dogg doing commercials for Skip the Dishes? Yeah. You've come a long way since John Hamm and his two years of commercials with Skip the Dishes. And they had the, the guy sitting in the ice bucket in the garage for the last uh, several months for Skip. And then Snoop Dogg. A Winnipeg company, Winnipeg-based company, and you got Snoop Dogg as your spokesperson. I would say that's a coup. That really uh, caught my attention yesterday of all the commercials. That's right. I saw that too and thought, wow, Snoop Dogg doing the Skip commercial. So that's pretty neat. Uh, and one more thing I just wanted to touch on here. Uh, there's a, There was an event in the PGA over the weekend called the WM, the Waste Management Phoenix Open. And this is a particularly unique event on uh, the tour, and who the, 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 I can't even remember the name of the guy who won the event. It, that, that doesn't really matter to me. What is fun about this event is it has the famous stadium hole. The 16th hole is a par three, and they build this stadium around it every year. And um, people, they show up very early, and uh, they consume many alcohols. <laughs> and on Saturday, a guy named Sam Ryder Got a hole-in-one, and there was another hole-in-one yesterday, Carlos Ortiz, but this is what it sounded like on Saturday. Bam! Cocktails! Sam Ryder has a very expensive ball tab ahead of him. Oh, the 16th of Dick! Wow! Again, that's at a golf event. Yeah, it's not a football game. Crazy. It's not a hockey game. It's mm. golf. And the sound it sounds great, but you have to look this up if you can. Mackling, I don't think when the, when people started just throwing their beers first in the air, you get like they were they were showering themselves with the beer and then they started tossing their beer cans onto the onto the course. Some people might say that's not golf, but I, I, I looked at it as just a, a pure moment of joy to see all those people just having such a blast. Um, I think it's great for the game as well. Well, you know what? The purists are going to not like it very much at all. Uh, the heck with them. That is a ton of fun. 16,000 fans around the 16th hole. So it's like a hockey arena. And as you say, people have been uh, partaking uh, for most of the day and in the hot Arizona sun, it probably hits you a little bit different. And they start shaking up their beers and their drinks, throwing the cans might be a little bit over the top. It might be a line too far, but you know, there's a lot of people who think uh, that tennis and golf is a little bit too stodgy and maybe they need to change the rules a little bit and maybe, uh, you know, 
this whole idea of everything has to be in under hushed circumstance. Maybe uh, eventually one day they'll be playing rock and roll on the golf course. There won't be any, you know, silence, vous plaît, at the French Open, and the <laughs> and the and the players will be able to play in the raucous atmosphere. I would like to see that. But like, let's give that a try before we uh, before we we shame any fans for uh, going off the way they did in Phoenix. Isn't that the hole that Tiger Woods had a hole in yeah. one there years and years ago, very early in his career? That that is one of the special special places in sports. Is that I think that I might have to put that on my bucket list of places to go. And I think one of the reasons too, Loren, why I enjoyed watching it so much is it was just for a moment. It was just nice to see thousands of people gathered and just enjoying life and enjoying themselves and enjoying each other. And this, it was just it was pure joy. And with all the stuff going on in the world, it was just nice to see people getting together and actually, you know, having fun. I liked it for the green grass. <laughs> I can't get over how green that grass was because every time they'd go to the overhead shot you know you see all the the dry Arizona around you and I was like man that's a crazy what they must do to get that golf course in shape and then of course it was snowing again yesterday and I white knuckled my way home on a drive from Portage and I saw the shots of the golf and I was like that looks so nice that's I want to be in that place this is basically all I could think great that's a hey great guys, point I'm gonna yes. jump in I'm gonna jump in real quick here at the Olympics Jennifer Jones had fallen to one and three over the weekend she just defeated Great Britain to get back to three and three. Seven to three is the final score in that game. I know uh, a lot of folks were probably, you know, staying home this morning. <laughs> Might be a little bit late for work uh, wanting to watch that game. But if you weren't unable to watch it, seven three, Jennifer Jones moving to back to 500 and very much alive in the playoff hunt at the Olympics. Friday, we get a text message from Greg, and Greg says, looks like I'm going to be needing a day off on September 22nd. And I said, oh, you need to take the entire day to celebrate and honor my birthday? Well, <laughs> thank you, Greg. I appreciate that. And uh, Greg says, no, that's that's not what I'm talking about. Check your email. <laughs> he says, did you see the email? And I said, no, because it's Friday night. I'm not in my work email. But anyway. It was 6 o'clock. It was still working hours. 6.48 p.m. that email came in. Come on. <laughs> so anyway, what's, what's the announcement we have here, Greg? All right. Well, this band has been recently inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Their front man was the drummer for one of the most popular bands of the 1990s. You may have seen this band play as part of Edge Fest in 1998 at Winnipeg Stadium, July 4th, if I'm not mistaken. When they tour, they do so relentlessly. I am so excited. The Foo Fighters are coming back to Winnipeg. Yeah! Woo! <laughs> I cannot believe coming back to winnipeg and the venue brett has me just as excited as you mentioned september 21st 2022 canada life center this is an indoor show in one of the most intimate arenas in north america tickets go on sale this friday february 18th and we've got beat the box office tickets all week long how many times have you seen them live just three times back in 98, in 17 in St. Paul, and at Wrigley Field in 2018. Just three so times. It's been a long time since I've seen them in Winnipeg. 
Oh, and the funny thing was, we were going to give a clue to this this morning, right, Brett? And we yeah. were, I think we were on the same page. We were going to say, Greg's Greg really is excited. going bananas about this one. But then I thought, <laughs> oh, in both of us, I think if, as soon as we say that, it'll be very clear that Greg is excited about the Foo Fighters. I think they get brought into conversation on a on a weekly. It's almost up there with Chi-Chi's, the love it's for the close. Foo Fighters. It's close. It's they're, close. On the, they're, they're on the Chi-Chi's Jets Blue Bombers, uh, <laughs> you know, Mount Rushmore, if you like. Didn't you go to that concert that you saw in Chicago, Wrigley Field? Wasn't that the, the whole reason you took that trip? 100%. Uh, the concert was on the boys' 12th birthday. And uh, my mom uh, and dad dragged my little brother and I to Vancouver to see the Bee Gees back when I was about nine years old. And that was an adventure of a lifetime. Saturday Night Fever Tour, whatever it was called at the time. Like at the height of their popularity. And the boys sort of like Foo Fighters. I indoctrinated them that night and that week and for the month leading up with all the music. They had a great time. And I guess there's a little bit of my mom inside of me. So, yeah, I, I'm super thrilled. I can't wait to see them on home soil here. The, the, the trick is going to be how do we get how do we get tickets? Because that's going to sell out in about seven minutes flat. That's right. Tickets on sale this Friday. But we've got those Beat the Box Office tickets all week long, and we will give away our first pair in our next segment based on your texts about your favorite cheesy romantic films, romantic lines. And a heads up, by the way, that we've got another announcement tomorrow for a show coming to Winnipeg, and we'll have tickets for that one as well. Uh, Loren, who are we talking to at 9.35 this morning? Well, I think so many of us have encountered our own battles with things in the supply chain, whether we've gone to the grocery store and noticed a few items missing over the past two years. Of course, things started off with toilet paper and all the rest at the start of COVID. And then when COVID hit different factories, you might have noticed maybe prices of things went up. And then you might be out shopping for furniture and notice that, you know, appliances, we hear appliances are are months, if not six months, seven months, eight months to get delivered. And then when we had the storm in BC hit, coupled with the protests that we're now seeing at Emerson and that one that just ended at the Ambassador Bridge, we've got questions about what is or isn't moving. What are the concerns when it comes to getting goods across? Just how busy is that Emerson crossing with things that go back and forth from there every day? What kind of impact can we have if these protests continue? And overall, what kind of conversation? I mean, how much more are you aware of just how goods move? because of the pandemic. What can we learn from this? So we're going to talk to Paul Larson. He is with the Asper School of Business just after 9.35. In the meantime, it is Valentine's Day. We already said congratulations to Bob earlier this morning for our Celebrate Love with Namath Diamonds contest. He got himself a $500 gift certificate. And that's, of course, why we're talking about cheesy romantic films this morning. And um, I joked that, you know, it's because it's Valentine's Day. I'm grumpy and bitter and I don't care. I, I, I'm actually, I, I very quickly turned around after hearing Bob's story about how he met, re-met the love of his life some 52 years after he first asked her out. And I will admit that that actually made me kind of think, ah, maybe I should try to get my, get back into the dating game. Cause I've been sort of out of it for a couple of years with no real desire to return to it, Loren, particularly because with the pandemic, it's been sort of, you know, everything's been a bit more difficult and I just haven't had the motivation to do it. But now the restrictions are being lifted in Manitoba. Maybe it's time to, you know, trim my beard a little bit and try to drop a couple more pounds and get back in the game. 
You don't have to trim your beard or drop the pounds. That's not what it's about. I think, you know, it shouldn't be what it's about, but I know how you feel. You want to get yourself spruced up to get back out there if, if that's where you're headed. But it had us talking this morning and Hal brought this up on our news call just about an hour ago. It just, you know, has the way we meet people changed in the last couple of years? If you're someone who's single or someone who recently became single and you're ready to get back out there, what is the dating world like oh midst of a pandemic, but also post-pandemic? And I had said to a friend who uh, is in the dating world, you know, I, it's so hard to get a sense of who someone really is right now in any capacity, whether it is for dating or whether it's for work, because we're all feeling kind of like that frustration and being done with things. And so how I feel today is not how I normally feel, but what's normal, right? And so I just, I feel like if you're trying to meet somebody or even make a friendship out there or just start a new relationship are you who you are today is who you're going to be two days from now, just based on this constant change that we're under. And so I'd love to know from listeners, if you're, if you're in that space as Brett might be uh, reluctant to get out there or getting back out there, Brett, like where, you know, is it harder than it used to be to meet someone? And Mackling, you, I heard, do you say, Oh boy, as, as far as the dating I can't scene. imagine. I can't imagine. It's actually, today is the 22nd anniversary of uh not 22nd 18th anniversary my math was off there 18th anniversary of jackie and my first date is oh. actually valentine's day and so um when i look back at that time in my life and and just the, the you know the different options and how you went about meeting people uh and then you compare it to now like certainly do not judge me based on my last dozen tweets <laughs> like that's 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 probably right. not the way to go uh, but of course, the social media and the Googling and all the different things that go along with dating in this day and age, uh, I don't know. I, I might be single, might have been single forever if I was 30 <laughs> right now. I don't know. You know, we've often joked about our social media surviving a forensic audit. Jeez, it almost needs to, uh, especially right now. So uh, to anybody who's uh, out trying to connect and find love right now, my hat's off to you because it's got to be incredibly difficult. And uh, Brett, I think you got to get back out there, buddy. I do, but I would just say, don't go on a first date tonight. I don't know who does a first date on Valentine's Day. The pressure, <laughs> Greg. It must have been immense. Worked out pretty well, didn't it? <laughs> oh, it did. I'll say that. Actually, let's switch that up. Go find someone to have a date with tonight, Brett, and then I will sing at your wedding in nine months' time. <laughs> okay. I don't know why nine months. I'm not implying you're also having just, children. Let's just move on. <laughs> okay. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb on this Valentine's Day. Loren, I understand we have uh, some potentially big news coming out of uh, Ottawa. We were talking about this with Global's reporter David Aiken at 750 about what sort of powers does Ottawa have to put in place to potentially put an end to blockades and the protests that have been gripping Ottawa for 18 days, slightly less than that here in Manitoba. And Global News is reporting our colleagues in Ottawa that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is going to announce today that he will invoke emergency powers to support provinces in ending the blockade. So this would be the Emergency Measures Act. Multiple sources have told Global News that they're weighing options for military help, but there is no plan at this time, according to sources that are speaking to Global News, to have the military step in and help police in dealing with civilians or any of these protests. And just for a quick recap, some people might say, well, what, what the heck is the Emergencies Measures Act? What does that even mean? This replaced the War Measures Act, 
that was a piece of legislation that was used by Trudeau's father back in the 70s during the October crisis, the FLQ crisis, the series of terrorist attacks uh, in Quebec. And it basically allowed Ottawa to suspend civil liberties. That's the line that I'm in reading this morning reminded when Trudeau Sr. was asked how far he would go and he used the infamous phrase, just watch me. Well, he used the War Measures Act then. Back in the 80s, that act was replaced with the Emergencies Act. And there's a bunch of different things that they can do with it. But under this one, there's things like they could prohibit public assembly. They could create designated security protected places. They could uh, give them authorization to direct essential services and, and talk about ways to compensate them for that. So there's a bunch of things under that, including extensive fines. Trudeau, it sounds like, is meeting with premiers right now. There's a phone call taking place to talk about this. But again, the breaking news out of Ottawa this morning, according to sources speaking to Global News, is that Trudeau is expected to invoke the Emergencies Act to aid convoy blockade response for other provinces. And there are all sorts of things that have been in short supply over the past couple of years. At the start of the pandemic, there was, you know, you, you remember the panic buying of toilet paper and then certain food items were scarce. We've joked on this show and we thank our listeners. We heard early this morning, uh, Gary sent Greg a picture of Fresca because Greg's lamented over the last couple of years. Sometimes it's hard to find Fresca or he had a hard time finding Frank's Red Hot Sauce. And Johnny sent a picture uh, from the grocery store with Frank's Red Hot Sauce. Um, and then we had factories that were hit with COVID and the prices of some goods went up while others just went on back order and on and on and on we go, Greg. Yeah, and some of these things are clearly more important than others. Shortages of one thing cannot be compared to others. And then you throw in the BC flooding and all the associated damage to infrastructure in that uh, province and protests at the border. The the supply chain has been hit hard. It's been stretched to its limit. And while the protest at the Ambassador Bridge in Windsor was cleared yesterday, there are still trucks and tractors slowing traffic at the Emerson border here in Manitoba. Paul Larson is a professor with the Supply Chain Management Department at the Asper School of Business. Good morning, Professor. Uh, Good morning. Happy Valentine's Day, folks. And a happy Valentine's Day to you. Paul, when you look at what's going on at the border here in Manitoba, let's start uh, locally first. What's the first thing that jumps to your mind in terms of what ought to be moving back and forth across the line, as my Grammy used to call it back in the day, and and the things that we might not think about that move across there every single day with with typically a, 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 a tremendous amount of ease? Yeah, well, a couple of things there. One is, um, to me, the big puzzle is who is controlling the border. You know, I've driven across that border many times, and I thought, I thought it was the federal government, but I guess suddenly it's not. Now, in terms of what crosses the border, uh, apparently, at least essential things have been getting through. You know, in terms of uh, medical supplies, and and I think particularly the uh, the live farm animals. You know, who would be periled if they had to sit at the border, particularly in this cold. So some things, some things are getting through. Uh, there's other minor inconveniences. I mean, you, you, you know, your colleague mentioned uh, Fresca. I must say, uh, to put this in context, uh, let's not forget that the, the, according to the United Nations, uh, upwards of you know one in seven people go to bed hungry each night. So I think this is is. In the big scheme of things, it's actually a bit of a minor inconvenience, consumer-wise. 
So when we talk about the minor inconveniences, but the fact that we have seen different things, you know, in short order, and, and some of the things, as Brett says, we're, we're sort of joking about, right? They're not crucial yeah. to get. But we know uh, appliances, for example, are on back order, six, seven, eight months, people waiting for that. So you might be in a home where you don't have a fridge because you've, been, you've gotten rid of it and now you're waiting for it, right? And furniture we know oh, has yeah. been back ordered extensively, Paul. And there's all sorts of things that people really are waiting on. Again, if you can still eat and sleep, you're, you're fine. But it's really highlighted just sort of the, the different um, ways in which pretty quickly with one issue, you can have some pretty major problems. And so going forward, you know, whether it's the border issues or flooding, is there something we need to do or change when it comes to monitoring the, the supply chain and being more at the ready for these kinds of things? Absolutely. And, and one word, scream. SCREAM is actually an acronym. It stands for Supply Chain Risk Evaluation Exceed Mandates Without Inconvenience and Compromising Other Folks' uh, Livelihoods. So, so everything that we've seen, including the blockades, and, and we mentioned off the top here, Paul, the, the, the situation we saw on the West Coast, uh, not only in uh, Vancouver, but all the way down the West Coast, and some of the things that we've seen with regard to shipping and the supply chain, just-in-time delivery has been such a big part of our economy for the last couple of decades. Do you think we'll see a shift in that? Do you think there will be an ultimately a tweaking or a major change or somewhere in between in terms of how we build things, how we present things uh, and, and that, that assembly line that in some cases crosses international borders? You know, absolutely. And I, I think we're already starting to see uh, what we might call tweaking of supply chains, uh, which so far is, you know, looking for opportunities maybe to, to bring production back domestically or at least, you know, I was going to say back uh, continentally. Of course, now it's the American border that, that's having trouble. But, yeah, you know, looking to move things closer to home, looking maybe to, to rationalize inventories with, with uh, you know, important items, maybe beefing up stock levels, you know, because one of the hallmarks of the whole just-in-time craze was uh, lean inventory levels. Uh, you know, under the assumption, the problem with just in time, of course, is it assumes that there's not going to be any disruptions. You know, any any disruption throws things uh, throws things in a bad way. Well, we got so used to getting things immediately, I think, Paul. Right? Like, you know, your 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 prime deliveries and the target dates that we all have, and and I want it now, and I expect it now, and maybe like as Greg is referencing, change our expectations. Exactly. Yeah. No. I. Yeah. I mean. I. I think folks have really gotten used to uh, this. This whole just in time thing. I mean, in my neighborhood, you see the little trucks, you know, constantly coming back and forth delivering little packages. I don't. I have no idea what's in these packages, but the folks all over the place. Uh, but uh, and all on a just in time basis. Interestingly, of course, that just in time also um, doesn't really help with the objectives to reduce greenhouse gas emissions as well. Just in time implies more vehicles out on the road, uh, maybe with with uh, smaller loads. You know, all in the interest of get, uh, getting things there quickly to the ultimate consumer. Paul Larson is a professor with the Supply Chain Management Department at the Asper School of Business, joining us live on the Start. Paul, thank you very much for this. We appreciate it, sir. My pleasure. Thanks, folks. Have a great day. Oh, and uh, just uh, as an update, uh, Greg and Loren, I, we talked, I guess it was about a month ago, where I mentioned that my barber, uh, his, his furnace was broken and had been for a couple of weeks because the part that they needed 
that they need, they can't actually make the part because of the components that go into it, they can't get them because supply chain issues. Mm. Well, he still hasn't, it still hasn't been fixed. Come on. So we're, that's like going on six weeks. So just think of the, the, the effects of that. He's, he's lucky because he has access to some space heaters and he's got a couple of gas fireplaces in his home, but not everybody would be so lucky. So imagine, you know, what it, if I order a Blu-ray on Amazon and it takes six weeks to come in, fine. But mm-hmm. if you're waiting for like a critical piece of infrastructure, for sure, not everybody, and not everybody could afford the hydro bill, like those space heaters. Aren't those, don't those suck up a lot of power? Well, I'm going to find out because I came down to the basement this morning and somebody left the electric fireplace on all night. So there's going to be a forensic audit of the (laughs) hydro bill this month. Somebody might be losing some allowance. Oh, Oh boy. Fighting words from Uh, Papa Mac. What if it was the dog? What if it was whiskey? Got cold and... Fired up that fireplace in the middle of the yeah, night. Whiskey was at my feet all night. I know where that dog is at all times, pretty much. So <laughs> it's not Whiskey's fault this time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.